last week we talked about buttery males, right? Mm-hmm. Talking yeah. about just those those males and they got the butter on them. But I think this week we're gonna talk about some like th this like door or something that was constructed, like some sort of divider. Well, it was more of like a fence gate. Oh, okay. In um in in uh, Saint Petersburg. Right. Okay. So th is that what caused Trump to win in 2016? Was it that that Russia gate? No, it had nothing to do with it actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. People like to pretend it does, but it, it didn't. Um. Yeah. So we are continuing. I guess it's not an official series, but you know we just talked about 2016 a bit last week, and so we're gonna continue to talk about 2016. Um. In a connected way. Um, this time. So, obviously, last time we talked about the DNC email leak, you know, everyone was talking about Hillary Clinton's 30,000 deleted emails and stuff like that. Um, and so, now we're going to talk a little bit about who the liberals tried to pawn off blame on. Um, we're going to talk about, sort of, yeah, Russia I mean, Gate in general. That whole, uh, I, I assume that you saw the, the, the Comey movie trailer oh yeah well you saw it probably because i retweeted beautifully it. insane just like at this point they can just write whatever they want and run with it and people will believe that it's all factual yeah also the yeah. they i honestly think they would have been better off trying to deep fake trump yeah they got this weird looking actor it, it looks like if you if our viewers want a visual of it without having to google the actual like movie all you have to do is just Google, like, Donald Trump Wax Museum. Yeah. And, like, the actor who they got to play Trump looks like, like, when he's dressed as Trump, looks like the the wax figure of Trump. Yeah, that's true. Which is... The wax figure of Trump and Madame Tussauds is absolutely hilarious it's... because you know that they were going to make it Hillary. Like, they were making it Hillary and then Trump won and they had to change it last minute to Trump. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like, it, it's got her facial structure and everything. Yeah. Um, it just has anyways, it just has the Cheeto skin. Yeah, yeah, of course. So before we get into this, um, of course, if you like the episode, please feel free to follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Um, you can also follow us uh, on social media for updates and unfunny tweets. Uh, we're on Instagram, mostly on Twitter. Uh, at Juno Beach Pod, J U N O B E A C H P O D. Uh, si vous êtes français, uh, cette balade est seulement en, en, en anglais, mais au nos réseaux sociaux, uh, nous sommes bilingues. Alors, uh, nous avons un Twitter et un Instagram. Uh, sur les deux, c'est at Juno Beach Pod, at J U N O B E S C H P O D. Uh, and I think, yeah, without further ado, we should just get into what Russia was up to in 2016. Yeah. And the answer really is not much. I mean, they had, a, they had a busy year overall, right? That was a, you know, in terms of foreign, I don't want to say quite interference, but definitely foreign affairs, the early 2010s, you know, leading into 2016, have been a very, were a very loud couple of years for Russia. Yeah, was it because they invaded Crimea? Yeah, Crimea in 2014. Whole... Was it 2010 that they invaded Georgia? I think so. Yeah, and then you had you had the whole Ukraine, you know, problem. Bo yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that yeah was like the... the the border dispute with Ukraine, and then the yeah. Oh, Russia Georgian War was in 2008. Yeah, 
but I mean, it, it you know, it, it's not as though Russia is any stranger to interfering in foreign affairs. And it's, you know, not to say that the U.S. isn't, but, you know. Yeah. The two countries in play with this whole Russiagate thing are definitely no stranger to making themselves known on a global scale, we'll say. Listen, if there's red, white, and blue on a flag, they're going to be imperialist. I mean, America, Russia, France, Britain. They're just good at it. Yeah. It's just, that's just what's going to happen. I think we, should, I think we um, need to make our profile picture on Twitter uh, red, white, and blue then. I think uh, if we want, really want to take over this podcasting game, I think we gotta, you know, right. get, get the easy stuff out of the way first. Although we have to be careful because the American Empire was like dog shit. Russia's never been able to properly build an empire, not under the red, white, and blue at least. Uh, the French Empire was also dog shit, and so we got to be careful. Like incompetent. I mean, obviously all empires are immoral, but we we, we would have to be careful to. Um, Make sure that it somehow reflects as the British, because yeah, they're like the only ones who actually were able to accomplish anything. Yeah, they were the only ones to have an empire where the sun never set. Still doesn't. <laughs> to this day, the sun still never sets on Britain. But which I guess, if you're patriotic, you can be proud of that. Yeah. Anyways, um, that's a bit off track. <laughs> um, so. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions about Russiagate. I mean, it ranges from Russia did literally nothing to Russia broke into the voting machines and President Trump was literally illegitimate because uh, Russia changed the vote counts. Um, neither extreme is true. Yeah, neither extreme is true. Um, Russia did attempt to, to influence the election. Uh, that's pretty clear. That's just something that nations trying to flex their muscle do. Um, so yeah, their their main attempt included basically botting social media. Yeah. What I mean, what a what more of a big dick play, you know, between two supposed democracies to mess with the election of the other superpower. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we briefly talked about in a cold open how um 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 that guy who gives us our money what's his name that billionaire soros yeah. has never rigged an american election but he did rig a russian one once um and so yeah there's that and then also yeah i guess russia trying to uh to do this but yeah obviously like you know if you remember like botting social media is just pretty common at this point if you remember um the coup in bolivia <laughs> no i go bolivia yeah yeah and so there was this hashtag that showed up around the time of the coup uh, hashtag Noe Garpo Bolivia, which uh, um, translates into English as I, I can't I don't speak Spanish I'm sorry I can't pronounce that, uh, uh, which translates into English as No Coup in Bolivia, um, and there were like identical tweets saying like friends you, you know, know I'm from but Bolivia the, the best part about yeah like they're all identical tweets which is like a hilariously bad CIA fuck up. And they're all mm-hmm. trending. The hashtag was mainly trending in Langley, Virginia, which, if you guys yeah. don't know, is literally yeah. where the CIA is headquartered. They couldn't. Yeah. They didn't even bother to throw on VPNs. Yeah. So yeah, here we go. The the message that that everyone was posting, friends from everywhere in Bolivia, there was no coup. There was a peaceful movement of the Bolivian people to recover the respect of our vote, democracy, and our constitution. Demanding the president Evo and his criminal government resign. Because the fraud committed in elections. Um, and 
then yeah, they would have hashtag Nuevo Bolivia. Um, and there were like hundreds of these, and they were all trending in around the, C- the CIA headquarters because um, they forgot to use a VPN, I guess. Um, See, but that's and- that's we are cursed because the the CIA fucks up like that. Like comparatively, the KGB is you know, and the, and the the Russian sort of special forces, counterterrorism, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the Spetsnaz fuck up with, like, the Beslan school siege or the, um, the, the movie theater gas, like, the movie theater that they gassed and didn't tell anyone what was in the gas. That's how yeah. the Russian sort of, I don't want to say deep state and go too far off the deep end, but, you know, that's how the Russian intelligence community fucks up. Mossad mm-hmm. fucks up with something like, you know, a Levon affair where they get found out doing something, and the CIA really only ever fucks up in ways like that. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, where people so, know what's going on, but it didn't stop it from happening. I guess the thing, like, the FSB, I don't really know, like, obviously the the Russian theater thing, or when they tried to, uh, another Chechen terrorist thing, when they tried to, to free that school that was being held hostage, yeah, exactly. and like, killing a bunch of the kids back, and yeah. Um, I mean, those were, like, Spetsnaz screw-ups, but, like, I don't really know, I probably should know, but I, I don't actually really know about um, how the FSB screws up. But, like, I honestly think that if you're actually fooled by a bot... I mean, I've been seeing bots come out that are 100% operated by the Democrats or the Republicans. Like, some guy called, like, Rifle Jim 127 is talking about how the Democrats are all Marxists and he's voting for Trump. I mean, rarely do, you even, do they even put that much effort into it. A lot of the time, it's just, like, a, a first-name bunch of numbers. Talking about how, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I was a, a hardline Republican, but now, uh, you know, the, the Cheeto man is, go- is taking it too far, and now I'm voting full Democrat ticket. I saw a good one that was sort of also being copy-pasted that was about how he was like, I was a Democrat for a long time, and then I was at a Black Lives Matter rally, and I woke up and I realized I had turned into a Marxist. I'm voting Republican this November. Like, bruh. Yeah. Like no How? one, no one who has ever voted Democrat is voting Republican in the coming election. It's the numbers game that the Republicans are going to have to play, right? Yeah. I don't think anyone who has voted Democrat since like, God, I don't even know. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. But anyone who has voted Democrat in any recent years not voting for Donald Trump for a second term. There are no Hillary to Trump voters. I'm sure there are one or two. Yeah. Maybe maybe them and the never Trumpers can just like meet up, have a little convention, you know. That'd be funny. The small, like the smallest, the the silent minority, we'll call them. Yeah, the smallest. Yeah, the silent minority. Like <laughs> that's good. Cause yeah, there's there's like look, the never Trump Republicans are a little bit of a phenomenon that the Democrats are convinced exist, and I guess we'll find out come November. Um, yeah, but. I mean, there's. I cannot picture the ideological roller coaster you'd have to go on to go from Hillary to voting Trump in his second term. What if you're just like really into imperialism? Maybe. No, but then you then you then you vote Biden, right? Trump, yeah. like you've said before, Trump hmm. is a coward. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, but like this is something we see all the time. I mean, even. That time, um, in a certified historical event, right, when Team Avatar went to Bossing Say. Yeah. 
Um, and that Judy lady kept telling him, like, there is no war in Boston Say, and everyone kept telling him that. I mean, if cartoon characters are gonna do it, uh, foreign, or intelligence agencies are gonna pick up on it, too. Um, but the main thing that liberals like to complain about with, um, um, Russiagate is the idea, and it's a widely held idea, uh, that we're gonna go over in a, in a minute, um, that it was Russia who leaked all of the DNC emails, which we talked about last week. Yeah, the, the um, butter emails that we were just obsessed Exactly, with. yeah. Uh, it was that, it was Russia who gave them to WikiLeaks, um, and a lot of people think it's true, and it's sort of commonly held belief that it is. Uh, they've even named some, like, weird Russian bot firms for doing it, uh, and hacker groups. Uh, but we're gonna go over why that's just 100% not the case, um, later. But I, at first I just want to talk about, uh, something, like, conspiracy theories about Russia, because it is, I think, the position of both of us, that Russiagate is just queuing on for liberals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, like, the joke I made, you know, where it's, you know... The new COD game is Gladio for lefties, Russiagate for libs, and QAnon for right wingers. Yeah, oh, that's like true. It's, conver- it's confirming all three of those things, and mm-hmm. yeah, now it's pretty it is, clear that it is like a right wing game. We as lefties just love to like blame the CIA for everything, and you know, I'm saying this with a hint of bias for good reason. Oh um, yeah, the CIA has done a lot of things, but I feel like th- there's a difference between being like, yeah. The official record of JFK's assassination does not match up, and the fact that he wanted to, you know, reduce the power of the CIA and then got killed in such suspicious circumstances is very odd. To go... Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's as as beyond the pale as something like, you know, there is a globalist cabal of of ostensibly Jewish people who are running the world, and that Donald J. Trump is the only person who can fight against them. Well, and it's even like, I I can guarantee you that they'll even, people will play up, like, feds will play up the ridiculousness of, like, reasonable conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, in order to, uh, discredit one. Like, the ideas that they're talking with, like, ice bullets, or that, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson was involved in the assassination of Kennedy. When we all know um, it was H.W. Bush. Well, yeah. Having read more and into that. It, like, Just H. watch w. Kitty History. Involved. Just watch Kitty History by Trevor Moore. Yeah. It tells the story about a parallel universe where history is exactly the same, but everyone's a cat. And it... You, th- <laughs> you just... Just watch it. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, this idea of active measures, and they actually do talk about it in the, the COD trailer. Um, oh, yeah, with that, that far-right Russian anti-communist that they, they quoted in the little teaser trailer they did. That was, exactly. That was insane. Yeah, that was wacky. Um, it is largely Red Scare propaganda, but I'm going to take you down a little bit of, a, I guess, a history lesson um, on sort of what these, like, active measures are. And, and these... The, the term sort of went away when the Union collapsed, or the, uh, maybe in 1989 when the uh, the Iron Curtain fell. Um, but it sort of come back as, peop- as Russia has entered... I guess briefly entered the... Uh, the collective consciousness as a, a scheming villain once again. Um, I mean, it, it cycles out about at once every 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have a feeling now that China's the number one villain, 
Russia is only going to be like their sidekick now. Uh, and so everything's going to be like a Chinese plot, not a Russian plot, but we'll have to see. Um, so it's this idea of like how the communists will subvert states. And essentially it is by... And it's this really weird idea that they will destabilize uh, a capitalist state to the point where the workers seize power and then automatically it'll kowtow in Moscow. Um, which is bullshit, and we're going to get into that. But yeah, yeah so it's but the also, idea that... But also manifesting. Yeah, I know, I know. Mm. It was basically, yeah, the idea that communists would... Russian communists, specifically, would manipulate the thinking of groups of people to work against the interests of a state. Um, large groups. So, obviously, you know, if you're talking about the framework of people in a capitalist state that are opposed to the Soviet Union, uh, there's no need to manipulate anybody, right? Like, one simply needs to wake groups of people up in one of these capitalist states because people working for their own interests or the interests of the collective are naturally working against the interests yeah. of the capitalist state. And... and- you know, all you need to do, yeah, you need to tell people the system for how it really, you need to explain to people the system as it really is. Exactly. And they realize that, you know, you, you realize all the contradictions of a capitalist um, mode of production and the workers do it themselves. I mean, that's... It's that's, literally just education. That's the theory, you know, is like that you just tell Revolutions people. always come after periods of mass education, right? You look at how you know, the printing press helped bring about the Protestant Reformation, how the Enlightenment uh, helped bring about the French Revolution, how the end of serfdom and peasants becoming being able to read in Russia brought about the Russian Revolution, and now we have the internet? I feel like something's gonna happen. Anyways, the, the Soviet theory on this, like, their specific theory actually matches up. Like, the word that they used uh, was sensibilizatia, which has no literal translation to English. And again, apologies for my pronunciation. Um, uh, but it, it sort of means, like, awakening or raising awareness, right? So they never intended to trick people or, or lie to people, uh, in a sense, but, but simply make them aware of what was going on. And, I mean, is that really so bad? I, I think one... I don't want to sound like a tanky here. I'm absolutely not a tanky. And I am basically opposed to the Soviet Union by 1921 or 22. <laughs> they were they were cool for a couple years there. They were cool for a couple years, yeah. Um, but one interesting thing that I, I learned when I really started getting into history and learning about history is that, like, it sounds weird to say, but in the Cold War, like, the Soviet Union were, like, objectively the good guys. I and, mean, and you can definitely... Funding, you can, funding, yeah. I, I would be you inclined can, to agree with you there. Funding a lot of leftist, you know, revolution, revolutionary groups. Up against well, it's, the it's not even that. But, it's not even that. Like, obviously you can talk about how repressive things were in the, in the Union itself or in the East Bloc. Um, and I don't mean to or, or want to praise those. A dictatorship is a dictatorship, and I am opposed to that. Um, however, when you look at how, at great personal cost, they propped up anti-imperialist movements, you know, in, uh, in, in Vietnam, in Korea. I mean, we talked about 
what the U.S. did in Korea, specifically yeah. with the rejection of a unified democratic Korean state simply because it was too far left to them. Um, and, uh, and, and if you, you look know, at... Yeah, if you're curious, go back and listen to our Korean War episode. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, or even, you know, some of the stuff they did in Africa, what they did for Cuba. Um, in all these situations, I mean, maybe they were an anti-hero or even an anti-villain uh, because of what was going on at home. But in terms of their effect on, like, globally, the Soviet Union was objectively in the right for much of the Cold War. Um, but, yeah, so I guess where the, um, the, the idea of, like, Russian subversion comes from, there's, uh, this guy Pierre Poiret, who went in, uh, a magazine called The French Spy Magazine, writes, um, as a matter of fact, the conscious practitioner of active measures sums them up with the epigrammatic formula, I advance masks, or Yazirania vi maskach in Russian and j'avance masque in French, as the Foreign Intelligence Agency of France relies on the same principles today. Uh, therefrom, everything in the enlightened practitioner of active measures contrives, undertakes, and does has to be camouflaged. Then, on the long term, being a practitioner of active measures must transform into a second nature. As examples, you go to buy a pack of cigarettes, and then say you go to the bakery to anyone who is asking you where you're heading. You are disappointed or angry about something, therefore show you are pleased about it. You are glad to hear this, therefore show you are not so. You are working in an office in a known place where you commonly welcome co-workers and guests, yet all very important and highly sensitive matters are debated in a room underground, formerly a cellar. You transformed into a comfy place, fitted out with some chairs and a table, called it Chambre conspirative or conspiracy room. Uh, you're the CEO of the company, yet your accountant is the real boss and your watchdog. Then, by extension, sometimes you live in a large and comfortable house or mansion, yet it is not yours in reality. Your car is old or looks as a wreck, yet it has good tires, a powerful engine under the hood, and everything uh, is mechanic. Everything which is mechanic is well serviced, and so on and so on. This part does seem hard to swallow. Yeah. Um, I mean, for it... me. Go ahead. They look. There's a. There are. What was that network show that was about the Russian spies that had to fit in? Do you remember what it was called? No, I'm totally blanking on the name here. But yeah, I mean, the whole Russian. My neighbor is a Russian spy trope. Is I don't want to say everywhere in American pop culture, but it's definitely kind of a a recurring theme. We'll say. Um, Yeah. And the extent to which it's paranoia versus, you know, and, and the whole effects of a, you know, continued red scare, the extent to which it's that and the extent to which it was a real phenomenon that was happening, you know, you can debate all day, but at the end of the day, it was the Cold War, there were spies everywhere, and so yeah, the Russian strategy of just having people deeply embedded rather than sending people in for like covert missions it, it seems much more believable mm-hmm. yeah um but it also i mean for me it it seems like this that idea of that like total subversion right down to the way you live your life um it it seems less like russia did this to america um and more the American ruling class did that to America. And we're going to get into that in just a second. Um, 
but you know narratives are created by those with control of the information this is well proven you know who owns uh the cable news it's the billionaires who owns the newspapers it's the billionaires who owns the government the billionaires right these are the people who create the narratives which you consume on a daily basis um and never in the history of the united states uh has this ever been the russians right it has always been an american ruling class even during the american revolution there was nothing truly revolutionary about that they merely supplanted a british ruling class with an american one um it was a it was a move from monarchy to bourgeoisie rule not from bourgeoisie to working class and then very quickly it turned from bourgeois rule back to aristocratic rule Mm -hmm. yeah that revolution was a failure um and so you know I'm, i'm i'm really skeptical um, on this idea that Russia has been uh, changing, at least, you know, and, you know, it's, it's impossible to prove whether or not they were actually attempting to do so, but I'm skeptical uh, in, in the notion that they were successful in doing so, in changing the narrative, even the smallest narrative in American society, because they simply do not have the means to do so. They're not in control of any real power structure, informational power structure, in that country, um, and I guess that's where they try to do their bottom-up thing with the bot farms. Yeah. Uh, and I, they, again, they kind of, no one can really judge how effective that was. They, they got stopped at the bot farms. Yeah. Right. Like they mm-hmm. they realize that, you know, whether or not, and whether or not they succeeded with their whole plan it's just enough to have a little bit of it uncovered because then it makes people paranoid Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right like the whole like the weird bush era or the terrorists win thing almost rings true here yeah right oh yeah being scared an enemy that is scared of you is a lot easier to sort of play around with i mean you can see in things like the Vietnam or the Korean War, all the USSR had to do was head fake in the general direction of a of a region, and the United States would dump money there. Well, it's just like we were talking about with the Afghanistan bounty thing. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. whether or not that's real. The fact that people are like, oh my god, guys, Russia might be doing this. Russia, you know, Russia's putting bounties on our soldiers. Russia's our enemy. As long as you keep them in that state of... You know, I don't want to say per- uh, paralyzed by fear because it can motivate your enemy to, you know, ramp up their own operations. But if that operation never was a thing in the first place, you never had to spend the resources in order to make people believe that. Yeah. You never had to make yeah. it a reality. All you had to yeah. do is and tell I, people about it. I think, you know, it's, it's important to remember that at the very center of this whole web of Russiagate conspiracies is one man. It's not Vladimir Putin. It's Donald Trump. And you have to remember that the FBI thoroughly investigated him. And they concluded that not only uh, was there no evidence... No collusion! Well, uh, yeah, there was no collusion. There was no evidence of collusion. But there wasn't even enough evidence of obstruction of justice to either warrant a charge or impeachment on obstruction of justice or any suspicion that he was trying to block them from 
you know, finding something out. Like, quite literally, when Donald Trump says that was a witch hunt, I hate to say it, but he was right. Which sucks, because you hate agreeing with him, but... Yeah, oh, God, yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, part of it was just liberals cannot accept that their queen just wasn't able to beat Trump. Um, yeah, I mean, you inject you blame. inject so much of your own personal hopes and dreams into a political candidate, and then they lose. It's it is hard to grapple with that. I mean, look at you know the the Bernie or Busters, you know. Well, that's what I was about to say. Like, I know the feeling, and I'm not even American. I can't imagine what it'd be like if my actual prosperity was on the line. Yeah, if I was actually like scared for myself. Um, so I I know the feeling, and and you know, Clinton herself, right? She wrote that whole book where she blamed. Trump, she blamed Russia, she blamed Bernie, and she blamed everyone except for herself. Um, and I think, I mean, we don't need to replay the 2016 election, but um, I honestly think that the only reason Russiagate got so big was because it was a coping mechanism. Um, but it has been twisted. Um, so let's talk about the emails again. The butter okay. emails. Exactly. Um, and I mean, this so, was, so this was used a lot of the time to parody Trump supporters, right? And it was part of yeah. the continued browbeating of, oh, well, if you disagree or you you bring up bad things the Democratic nominee has done, you're helping Trump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whenever Trump did something bad, it was just a common thing to say, oh, but her emails. Yeah. And, and so, obviously, you know, last week we went into why her emails were actually... <laughs> bad a, a bit significant um sorry a bit significant yeah um and you know it's it's pretty you know clear that stuff was going on there with the democratic party clearly picking a favorite yeah um but again we we just did a whole episode about that um so again the the russia gate obviously the russia gate started before the election was even over um and it continues to this day. I mean, I keep seeing posters of Trump with a Stalin mustache and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, that that level of posting never went away. Yeah. God bless the people who are still doing those, like, yeah, the, or, like, the Trump-Hitler mustache edits. Right? I saw one yeah. that was, like, Adolf Hitler plus McDonald's symbol equals Donald Trump. And I'm just sitting there, like, I wish I could get in the mindset to make this kind of this kind of image. I wish Jesse, I could what figure the out fuck what are you I talking need to about. Like, I, like that is a total Jesse moment. It's it's, but it's phenomenal. I mean, we could never hit that level, and that just makes no. me sad. No, you're right. You're right. Um, so, anyways, yeah, the Democrats continue to claim, and it's still a mainstream opinion, um, that it was Russia who supplied the DNC emails to WikiLeaks, um. You know, they've even got, like, code names for the hackers who did it, who apparently are real hackers, um, Russian hackers and everything like that. But in reality, um, it was actually a group of Democratic whistleblowers who supplied, uh, in a physical handoff, the emails to a guy named Craig Murray, who was a former British diplomat to Uzbekistan, um... And, uh, at this point, a WikiLeaks operative. Um, so, 
the leaker's motivation, according to Murray, was, uh, quote-unquote, disgust at the corruption of the Clinton Foundation and the tilting of the primary election playing field against So Bernie it Sanders. was Bernie Bros. Bernie Bros actually did lose her the election. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, it's not and in the so, way that anyone uh, says. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, Assange himself, uh, on an interview with, I believe, Sean Hannity, um, said that when the Obama administration said that the DNC emails came from Russia, they were not just mistaken, but they lied. That they knew that it came from whistleblowers, or leakers, that it was a leak and not a hack, but they said it was Russia anyways. Um, and so there was an investigation done um, by actually a, some independent reporters, um, and it shows that according to like plane tickets and travel logs and stuff like that, um, Craig Murray was in Washington, D.C., um, at the time when the information was received by WikiLeaks, which, you know, at least partially corroborates his story. Um, it's a little bit circumstantial, but... It is circumstantial, um, and it may have just been a, an aha uh, by the WikiLeaks people, but I, I just don't see a reason to lie. Um, and I, I think it... One has to, when talking about Russiagate specifically, talk about the collusion between the media and the Clinton campaign. Uh, and that is not to say that there was probably also at some point collusion between uh, the Trump campaign and the media, but the fact of the matter is that even though Fox News is the largest news agency in America, like news in quotes, obviously, yeah. much like CNN, MSNBC, um, the liberal new cable news is, and, and print news is much greater than Fox News will ever be. Um, and so even like to this day, uh, cable news sources, you know, CNN and, and NBC and MSNBC and all these will blame the Trump win on quote unquote fake news. Yeah. Um, and how it was Fox News who was able to spread this f and like the yeah the disinformation campaigns that... oh it was they were all tricked all these working class people were tricked it wasn't just that they rejected another yeah. elitist it was, in favor of i yeah. guess a hidden elitist but still in favor um, of someone who at least was willing to go and talk to them <laughs> yeah right look them in the eyes um and so i i read the, the, an, an article um in the observer which is by the way as like a subsidiary newspaper of the Guardian, which is also a liberal news source, it's just British. Um, so this is not some left wing or right wing crankery. This is liberal crankery. Um, and so here is a quote, and we they've got all sorts of examples, which we'll go over. Over, but it says, "This past election cycle was unprecedented in terms of the bias and lack of objectivity exercised by the mainstream media." The emphasis on mainstream media blaming fake news for Donald Trump's election is an attempt to distract and divert the feedback loop developed between the Clinton campaign and much of the press. Throughout the 2016 election, the media was obsessed over Trump uh, to elevate his candidacy. He was their preferred component for Hillary Clinton after they had thoroughly subverted Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign for the Democratic nomination. Several journalists from the New York Times, which formally endorsed Clinton twice, created propaganda for the Clinton campaign rather than independent journalism. 
The Times' Mark Leibovich allowed the Clinton campaign communications director, Jennifer Palmieri, to veto what you didn't want from his interview with Clinton. Just some real hard-hitting journalism going on here, you know? Right, really asking course, the yeah. tough questions by mm. asking the candidates, staffers, hey, which questions are you guys not comfortable with us asking? Yeah, we'll get to that. I mean, yeah. journalism is dead, at least in America. Journalism, yeah, yeah. Maggie Haberman was listed by the Clinton campaign as a friendly reporter with whom they could plant stories. Haberman also allowed Clinton campaign staff to proofread her pro-Clinton stories. Uh, and we can go through, like, so many of these, right? The Times, the New York Times also wrote, you know, pro-Clinton campaign uh, pieces at the behest of her campaign, or even published articles written by the campaign itself under the names of its own writers. So one was published, uh, I'm forgetting who by at this point, but about a Clinton volunteer named Laura Donahoe. Um, and they, this was written by the Clinton campaign, um, given to the New York Times, uh, and it was published by them under the name of one of their writers. Um, which is... Incredible. Truly quite something. Um, and, you know... Political writers allowed Clinton communications directors to proofread their articles before they were sent to editors. Some were even read by Podesta himself. Uh, of course, if you remember Podesta, he was the mastermind of the Pied Piper strategy to elevate Trump in the primary yeah. that we talked about. Because they, they thought that that would scare away the Republicans, and instead mm -hmm. it just radicalized them. It would them. bring all the moderate Republicans to, to Clinton. Yeah. Um, here's another quote. Um, two quotes, actually. Uh, the Intercept reported in May that an op-ed ostensibly written by Atlanta America C. Reid and intended to discredit Sanders was actually written by a Clinton lobbyist and proofread by a Clinton super PAC, which sent the article to CNN. CNN regularly featured pundits with financial ties to the Clintons, yet failed to disclose those ties before the pundits praised her. Uh, and the other one, in the WikiLeaks release of DNC emails, the Washington Post was exposed to have hosted a joint fundraiser with the Clinton campaign. The paper published hyperbolic hit pieces on Sanders throughout the primaries, including the editorial board calling his campaign fiction-filled in an article published with the title claiming that nominating Sanders would be, quote-unquote, insane. Uh, Fairness and accuracy... Oh, go ahead. I mean, it, it, I'm not surprised by this at all. I mean, we... Again, I, I, I'm always baffled specifically by the, the body language expert. I think it was that MSNBC brought on to analyze Sanders' body language. In to a prove debate, he was a misogynist. To prove that he was... That was when I knew that even if it wasn't going to be, like, Warren or Buttigieg that would that would get the nomination, it was not going to be Sanders, because they were not going to let him do it. Right. Like, I guess I knew, sort of subconsciously there, that if they're willing to go and invent that kind of bullshit about him, mm -hmm. what, else, what are they not going to do? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, here it says, Fairness and Accuracy in Reportings, Adam Johnson... Uh, pointed out that the Post published 16 hit pieces on Sanders in the span of 16 hours in early March. Um, and, like, the list continues, right? So after the DNC emails were leaked, MSNBC halted negative coverage of Debbie Wasserman Schultz on the orders of Wasserman Schultz herself. She literally called their CEO or their president and said, stop printing this Color stuff about me, me. stop talking about me. And then they did. Um, CNBC had an, an explicit agreement with Podesta, where they would get access to the Clinton campaign, and in exchange, they would only print nice stuff about it. Um, and a final quote here says, all, um, all these outlets and networks played significant roles in perpetuating the false narratives 
in favor of the Clinton campaign. This includes the Bernie Bros myth, the whitewashing of the Sanders campaign, adding superdelegates to Democratic primary tallies, even though they couldn't cast their votes until the Democratic National Convention. And finally, you know, the one we talked about last week, where Donna Brazil gave debate questions to Clinton beforehand, and the DNC gave CNN questions. The DNC gave questions to CNN to ask to Republicans on their program. And of course, all of this stuff was revealed by the, um, by the DNC email leaks. So I think it's no wonder that the main, like, media, mainstream media, the liberal media, um, grouped together uh, and went so hard on this idea that it was all a Russian hoax. Because if you listen to this, you know, all of this is true, and all of this paints a pretty terrible picture of reporting and, and so-called journalism uh, in America. If they're willing to just line up behind someone like that on a, you know, drop of a hat, um, and again, this wasn't even to stop Trump. Like, if it was purely to stop Trump, I don't think it would be the right thing to do, but I would understand why, because they would feel like, I guess, the, the existential nature of journalism was under attack by him, right? And he was going to undermine fair reporting, and so whatever, to beat the monster, you have to become the monster. And again, I think that would still be a terrible thing to do, but I can understand it. But remember that this wasn't just to stop Trump. This was also to stop Sanders. Um... And you have to remember, again, who owns these uh, these organizations. It's billionaires. So yeah. I think it's it's no wonder um, that the mainstream media went so hard for, for Russiagate, even though, you know, we even knew back then that it was largely overblown because it's such an easy way but to it, resolve it, But it was such a... If you tried to say that, yes, Russiagate is largely bullshit... You were instantly labeled a, a Trumper, like mm-hmm. right away, because you know it's it's a convenient out for the Hillary campaign. It's a way to hit the eject button and say, "Oh well, it wasn't my fault that the campaign fucked up. It was it was the Russians." And then they they bail out and they go get their six figure consulting job. And yeah. I mean that's that's well, really... it's the basket of deplorables. So you just automatically condemn everybody who disagrees with you. Yeah, and it's but not even like that. I mean it, it's that it allowed, like, Hillary staffers a second shot at politics after completely fucking up the campaign. Yeah, it was another one of those unlosable elections. I mean, obviously no election is unlosable, but it was, it should have been in the bag. It should have been in the bag. And, so I guess, what we are are trying to say here, our through line um, with this episode is that I guess no matter how much Russia interferes, nothing will quite be on par um, with the manipulation of information that's undertaken by the American ruling class. Um, you know, that it, it brings to mind that quote near the beginning, I think it's even the second paragraph, um, of the Communist Manifesto itself, where it says, you know, he starts off by saying, the history of all existing society, hitherto existing society, is the history of class struggle. And he says, you know, Freeman is slave, patrician and plebeian, lord and serf, guildmaster and journeyman, in a word, oppressor and oppressed, stood in constant opposition to one another, carried on in an uninterrupted, now hidden, now open fight. A fight that each time ended either in a revolutionary reconstitution of society at large, or in the common ruin of the contending classes. Um you know, what is being pushed as Russiagate and Russian interference uh, 
uh, is simply a distraction by the liberal ruling class uh, from the atrocities that they're committing, be they small, yeah. like, you know, collaborating with a an elections a, campaign. A, a little a little bit of, like, yeah, a little bit of local elections meddling. Or large, like, drone bombing kids yeah. in Syria. Or, or, or even Obama... just the, the, yeah, the no-coup in Bolivia thing, right? Like that, or, that well, was a yeah, I mean, that's a conservative ruling class. I'll get to that in a second. But Or, like, other liberal things, like, when he basically, when Israel and America funded, I think, a billion dollars in weapons and equipment into 16 jihadist groups that would eventually coalesce to form ISIS in order to destabilize the Assad government. Um, like, the Russiagate just, it's an easy cop-out and distraction for the crimes of the liberal ruling class. Just like them saying things like Kamala Harris being a Marxist uh, is a distraction from the conservative ruling class, right? Like, you, you don't think about or question what they're doing to you and the people around you because they're making you focus on uh, the, they're making you focus on the wrong enemy. Like, if there are a hundred cookies, the billionaire is going to take ninety nine and say, "Watch out, the foreigner is going to take your cookie." Like that's all this is. It's it's just a continuation. Like if if you don't think the attitudes that lead to um things like Russiagate and this fear-mongering about Russia and China are the exact, and liberals, are the exact same ones that lead to the fear-mongering about Muslims and Mexicans and conservatives are the exact same. Um, like, it, they are. They're, they're fundamentally the same mindset. Uh, it's just different, I guess, principles. It, and it's a different target, right? Because it's they, like, was it anything? Because they know, it's, they know who they're pushing this to. Mm-hmm. They, they've perfected yeah. this so they know exactly what buttons to push in order to make people upset about oh my god guys russia is you know um setting bounties on america on the the good old troops you know they're setting bounties because you know there's a couple universally like i guess across the aisle things and one of them is that yes the troops are good and that we mm-hmm. like the troops and so running that, well i like the troops i just don't like imperialism running that on both sides of the aisle, right? The the whole Russian bounties thing, running that on both sides of the aisle, they don't need to worry about a spin because they can. They don't have to spin in any which way because both sides acknowledge that the you know the troops are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, w- with something with something like RussiaGate, you have to yeah go from like for the the conservatives, you have to spin it as a a, a buttery males like you know collusion against Donald Trump to try and lose the election but they won anyway cuz you know they're so based or if you're you know if you're a liberal you have to they had to spin it as oh well you know of course they won because it was the russian hackers that helped donald trump yeah well and it's like the same attitude that leads a conservative to scream at a mexican immigrant in a parking lot because she's speaking on the phone in spanish is the same that led you know liberal hero betty midler to tweet the other day about Ivanka's, you know, speech at the RNC. Oh, God, she still can't speak English. Yeah. Like, these are fundamentally the same attitudes. And it's simply just that America's divided. You're red or you're blue, and it's it's social. Like, I, I genuinely think that in the mindset between Democrats and Republicans, there's very little difference, and people just adopt it based on 
I guess, what they're most comfortable with in their social sense. Like, and, and it's not, con like, subconsciously, they adopt uh, republicanism or democratism, I guess, um, depending on what the social, like, the, the social conditions call for. Like, if you're in New York, you're more likely to end up a Democrat, and if you're in Texas, you're more likely to end up a Republican. Like, I genuinely believe that these people, if you actually had them naming policies, would find very few things they disagree with on. And if you're talking about political philosophy rather than policy, they're going to be virtually identical. Um, if you just remove all political labels from it. Um, and, you know, like, Russia has... If you're an American, Russia has very little effect on your life. And frankly, even if they did hack the DNC and release all those emails, like, cool. thanks. I appreciate nice. that. Good. That was, it, it was nice to have concrete proof that Bernie was rat-fucked out of 2016 as well as 2020. Exactly. Like, the release of those emails was one of the only good things that has happened for democracy in that country in the last 50 years. Like, it was perhaps the last gasp of an attempt to retain any semblance of democracy that country once had, and I don't think it really has had much semblance of democracy for, like, ever. Um... You know, structurally, obviously, they always claim to be one, and they always look like one. But if Russia was the one who leaked the DNC emails, good. Thanks, Russia. Um, so, yeah, like, I guess all we're trying to say here is, is that when you complain about Russia and Russiagate and everything like this, you're just buying into, like, this ultimate diversion. It's a, hey, look over there while we shoot your kids. Yeah. I think that's about all we wanted to cover for this Yeah, it's week. been a shorter episode today, which is funny, because yeah. it's some of the longest notes we've yeah. ever written. We got four pages of notes, and we managed to crush through it in about 50 minutes, so... Yeah, not um, bad. Yeah, so that was kind of a, a breakdown of Russiagate in a, a late sort of recap of the 2016 election. Um, join us Tuesday, we're going to be doing some news, and then... Next week, we are planning a special episode, so bringing back something that we haven't done for a while, a movie review, so be sure to stay tuned oh, yeah. for that, and uh, until then, I've been Declan. I've been Malcolm. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.